Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. morning number one I know they're starting a new women's uh, study coming up in February it's on hope I, my wife's been writing this thing for you I know she's been investing uh, wants to invest in you guys we're gonna be talking about equipping today she wants to her studies to equip the women and so be looking that out for in February so uh, go to newvision.city can check it out there find information she'll have all the books ready everything ready to go for you guys it's a I think a four-week study on on hope so I want to encourage you to do that hey Next Sunday night at 4 o'clock, um, we're doing some baptisms. So if you've never been baptized, uh, let us know. Talk to Pastor Sean in the back. He's in the back over there. See him at the Welcome Center. Maybe, I know we have somebody that really wanted to be baptized. And so we're going to do it at Lemon Grove site. We have actually have an outdoor baptismal out there. Uh, there. So at 4 o'clock, be there a little before 4 so you can get ready. But we're going to do some baptism before the evening service at Lemon Grove site, at Lemon Grove campus there. So again, if you want to be baptized, let us know. People online, if you've never been baptized, we'd love to, to be able to, to celebrate with you that commitment to Christ through baptism, through immersion. Uh, and identifying with Christ is part of what Jesus commanded us to do in Matthew 20, to go into all the worlds and baptize and Make it disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we want to encourage you uh, to do that. Hey, guys, we're um, jumping in to continue on our sermon series called Refocus. And last week, we talked about refocus by expressing love. This, this, this morning, we're going to be dealing with refocus on equipping believers. When I was in college, I had the opportunity to work for a printing company for a little bit. And I was, my job was to be a cutter. What that meant was that um, they would oftentimes, this company would print up a lot of print things. It could be posters, it could be flyers, it could be whatever it is. And they would print them up in mass quantity and large, big print papers. But those things needed to be cut it. They need to be cut down to the right size. And so it was my job to take those things and, and I would go to this machine and you would put it in this machine. Now, I had never worked for a print company, so I was a novice at it. I, I wasn't sure how to do it. So one of the workers came and he showed me how to work the machine. He instructed me, he equipped me to be a worker of that. And there were some processes, there were some steps to it because it was a, a big machine. It was a large machine. And so what you would do is you would put the papers in and they'd be thick papers like this. And the only way you could cut them is that you had to use both hands on the side to hit two buttons at the same time. The reason being is if you're not careful, you're not paying attention, it's, if you're not watching, you can easily cut a limb if you're thinking about pressing here and putting your hand here and doing that because you have a blade that's a long blade that would come down and slice the paper. And so there was procedures and processes and instructions on how to operate that. But being a novice, I had to learn those things. I had to have some of the business equip me on that machine. I think if you think about the church today, there is some spiritual development we need to, as individuals, need to be discipled and equipped in the word of God for the purpose of God's service. Because if we're not careful and we misunderstand God's truth, we can be hurtful to the body of Christ. And so just as much as I had to learn how to operate this machine, I have to learn to be discipled in things of God and how to operate God's word, how to serve, how to be equipped for those very things. Because there is a time to grow, there is a time to mature in the faith for the, for, for the purpose and the service of God's kingdom. So as we talk about refocus, that's what we're going to focus on this morning we're going to focus on equipping the believer because it's part of our E4 purpose. Remember, I, last week I shared our, our vision of what our church is. I want to read it again so you're reminded of our purpose as a church, you're reminded of what we're doing and why we are here. New vision exists. Our purpose here is to trans people to their, and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. We want people to follow Jesus, not the Jesus we make up, but the biblical Jesus through expressing love. We talked about that last week this morning, equipping the believers. Next week, empowering service and evangelizing near and far. So what that's telling me is that equipping process, the process for believers is a maturing process, yet we have been sanctified by God. There's still a maturing process and a growing in our faith that needs to take place. That's why the apostle Peter writes in his book in 2 Peter 3.18, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're commanded to grow. We're commanded to develop. We're commanded to do those very things. And that's really the purpose of the church is to develop and to equip the people in the Lord. Let's pray. Father heaven, we thank you for your goodness. 
We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace, Lord. And I pray this morning as we enter into your presence with the worship of the word, with the teaching of the word, Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear this morning, that we would understand your words and how they apply to us. Words written uh, thousands of years ago can still be relevant for us today in the learning and the equipping and the growing and the maturing. Father, I pray this morning your Holy Spirit would speak this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to be looking at three things. The first one here is that you have to understand to be equipped, his leaders equip us. God has placed people around us to, to be equipped. God gave us people to, to help us grow today, and I want you to understand that. When a, when a young man came up and he saw Muhammad Ali, and he asked Muhammad Ali, what do I need to be successful? That was the question this young man had asked. And you know how Muhammad Ali, he was very, very outgoing, very flamboyant, and he said this rhyme, stay in college, get the knowledge, and stay until you're, you're through if they can make penicillin out of moldy bread, they can make sure something out of you. <laughs> I think if God can take us in our rawness and create in us, there's hope in that. He, he starts with the raw materials. He starts with us being young in the faith, and he molds us and shapes us into his likeness here. But we have to understand that God's placed people around us to help us grow. He's placed people around us in community to, to develop us and to pour into us. Some might call that discipleship in the church. Some might call it mentors. Whatever words that people use, we know that we grow as individuals because others are poured into our lives. And we see that throughout the scriptures. And then the passage, we're going to be in Ephesians here. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12 at first. He says, he gave us leaders to equip us in the faith. That was a gift. It was a gift. In fact, we read in verse 11, he says, and he, that's Christ, he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Christ gave us leaders with a variety of gifts to help us grow and mature. We call this the five-fold ministry is what we, we know that is Christ had established this office. Christ is the head of that team. Man, I, I love football. I've been watching football. I've been watching the playoffs, but this last week, was the college Super Bowl, the national champion. I don't know if you watched the game, Ohio State and Alabama. For you college people that are watching, Alabama won the, the national championship. Though they recognize the head coach, they recognize the head coach, right, who leads, but the head coach also has assistant coaches that have been assigned to help the prosperity and success of the team achieve what it needs to achieve. And they each have a place, they each have a place in the service of that team. There might be a quarterback coach, there's a defensive coach, there's an offensive coach. They have a role in the development of those players. They needed the whole team in order to develop and equip those players for success. God has provided a whole team for us to help us develop and grow in our faith that we would be successful in the faith. That's important because it takes a whole team of people to develop. That's why we have community. That's why we have fellowship. That's why we have the church. That's the importance of it, that we're not to forsake the fellowship. We know that our own physical body works in, together. It's an organism working with many parts, working in harmony. And that's what we're called as a body, to work in harmony. And so we are a community of believers building each other up in the faith. And we see Christ's team for the equipping of the saints Listen here in Ephesians 4. What do these Christ-gifted leaders do? They have specific roles for equipping. Just like the assistant coach has specific roles. They have specific roles in the church. And we see here five leaders, five descriptions of leaders here to help us along the way. We know that we have the apostles and the prophets. In fact, the Bible says that, that the early church was built on the words of the apostles and prophets in Ephesians 2.20. The foundations of the building of the church was established by these two groups of leaders in the church. The apostles here, if you're taking notes, are, are really, they generate ministries. I'm going to use G words here in a minute. They generate ministries, right? Apostle means ambassador or messenger, one set up out, right? Most apostles are church planners or they're missionaries. They're willing to, to go out and they're sent out ones to serve in the kingdom of God. These apostles are ones who could go to places and where there's nothing at and build something. They're developers in the ministry. They're gifted in the ministry to start something from the bottom up. 
That's why they had the apostles, the 12 apostles. You notice that they were disciples at the beginning of their ministries. Later, they were the apostles at the end of ministries because they were students at the beginning, but they became the sent out ones later when Jesus sent them all out. And so there was a development that Jesus took them through that they were the sent out ones that started the church and birthed the church, and we see that here. I remember Julie and I started this church together in 2008 in our backyard. We, God allowed us to raise up, and some of you were at the very beginning of those stages with us. We were the sent out ones at that, at that moment. That was the role of the apostle. But then he says there's the prophets. The prophets, they're the, they're the guiding ministries, right? They're the, the guiding ministries. The apostles, they were the generate, generate ministries, but the prophets are guiding ministries. They speak about the cultures of the day. Tomorrow we're celebrating Martin Luther King Day. He was the prophet in the 60s of our day. He spoke about what was going on in the culture, what was going on that needed to be changed. These prophets in the Old Testament ones were speaking forth God's word and truth to be able to bring conviction and correction and say, hey man, we better get right. These are things that are wrong. You know what? Let me tell you something. The prophets, the prophets, <laughs> they went through some hard times. The prophets didn't fare very well. Many of the prophets were killed for the words that they spoke in the Old Testament. Many were, so, you know, we, where are prophets today that speak about what's happening in our culture, in our society, that we need those prophets, these people that bring God's truth and words to our culture and our nation. We need prophets to speak for things that we would be able to listen. Barnabas and Agabus and Philip had four prophetess daughters. They, they were used by the time of the culture to say, guys, we gotta get right. Things need to change. And they bring forth hard words. And sometimes in the bringing forth of hard words, people hated them. They despised them. They were stoned and murdered and killed for the words that they brought. God, we need more prophets today to speak into the light, into the darkest of our culture sometimes, to bring forth the things that need to be brought to the issues in the forefronts. They are presenters of God's truth, of God's word. It's by this word that we sanctify people. It's by this word that he brings freedom and the prophets bring forth the words of liberty and freedom. But he also had evangelists. We call them the gathering ministries, right? The preachers of the gospel, the sake to bring about conversion. People have gifts. We all are called to the, 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 the ministry of evangelism. We're all called to share the gospel. But God has raised up specific people that are very gifted in evangelism. Gifted with the talents. Some people might share the gospel. Multitudes come to know the Lord because of their giftings. And there's people that have these gifts. They, they, they draw the lost into the family of God. You know, many of us are familiar with Billy Graham, who, you know, passed away years ago, was one of our major evangelists. Louis Palau is one of our major evangelists of our days. We had people that God had raised up to bring forth. But there are evangelists in our own churches. Evangelists there. We have Nate, Pastor Nate is an evangelist, and we have Sean's evangelist. We have people in our church that are evangelists that just have the gift of evangelism that when they speak, people come to know Jesus. They come to know the Lord. See, that's part of discovery when you're in community of what is the giftings I have. One of the things is me and my wife done in raising our kids and we had four kids is we had to watch and see what kind of gifting God had given our kids and then we would encourage them in those giftings. The leaders are looking at you and saying, what giftings do you have? We want to encourage you in your giftings. Some of you want to be missionaries. Some of you want to be evangelists, right? Some of you might even be prophets. How about pastor teachers? Pastor teachers, that's the growing ministries these leaders begin to do, right? So some of it can be a, a, a dual office in some sense. There could be pastor teachers who do the same thing, or they could be individuals. But a pastor is one is a, a guarding minister. He, he guarding ministry, like he's the shepherd of the sheep. He, pre, he protects the sheep. He, he guards the sheep. He, he's, he's his rod and his staff against wolves and, and those that bring deceit into the body. They protect the sheep, and they're ones that lay, willing to lay down their life for the sheep. And they care for the needs of the sheep. They care for the body. They, they care for the bride. That's the, that's the pastor side. And then there's the teacher side. The teacher side. That's the growing ministry, the, the instructor. He's the one that grounds the people in the word of God. 
and the instruction of a, I see myself as a, a pastor teacher, though I do evangelism and though I, I do those things. I, and I also have an apostolic nature to what I do because I've done stuff from the bottom up. But I see myself as a pastor teacher shepherding the body of God and teaching them the things of God. I feel like that's my role here at New, New Vision, that you would be rooted and grounded in Christ, that, you would, that, that would help you grow in your faith. That the teacher instructs you so that you'll be ready in season, out of season, to give a testimony of why you believe what you believe. That's the, that's the grounding ministry. But what's the purpose of this team that God has put together? And every church needs these people in their church. They need each of these people in the church to help it grow and to help it develop. A lot of times you'll just might have a pastor teacher but don't have an evangelist or a prophet or, or whatever. But we need everyone in the body. And, and my challenge to you as you're growing in your faith, what role has God called you in the body? What part of the body are you in the service of the kingdom? But I believe there's a purpose in it. The equipping is for the building up of, of one another. We see that in verse 12. It says, for the equipping of the saints, for the works of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So you have this team in verse 11, and you have the purpose here, and it's a kind of a, a two-for purpose. First of all, it's for the equipping of the, of the saints. That's the pastor's job, right? It's the pastor's responsibility to train and equip the people. The word actually, the word equip actually means to, to be completely furnished, providing resources or tools for service to put right, kind of like the idea of setting a broken bone or mending nets. It's the process of reinforcement to, to make you stronger, to make, you a, to make your ministry stronger, to, to girding it up. That's part of equipping, right? One translation translates this to, to say for, for the perfecting of the saints. We know that there's a, a process of, of development here. And what we try to do here is many of you might have gone through our one-on-one -on -one discipleship here. And if you haven't, I want to encourage you to sign up and see Pastor Sean on that. And we can get you plugged in with something to just learn the basics of the foundations of the faith. We, we start people there. Because some of us come to faith and we're just novices. We really don't know the things of God, but we can learn the things of God. When I got saved, I knew nothing about the Bible. I didn't know the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. I didn't know any of that stuff, and I didn't know how the, the Bible read, and I was struggling through it, and I had to go out get books to read about it, how this thing works. But in the development process, in the training process, there is a process. When I went to work at the print shop, I was a novice. I didn't know anything, and I had to be trained. And, and the process kind of went like this, right? It, it, like, it, it kind of says, I do, you watch. So if you were to come and I wanted to train you someday, I said, I'm going to do, you watch. And, and then the next process would be, we do together. Let's, let's do this together. We're going to work these things, right? Now you do, and I watch, and then you do. That's the development of the process that God wants to do in our life, that we become masters of those things. And that's the process that Jesus took his disciples through. Jesus took it when they were novices and then started an apprenticeship and a germanship and then a master's program, and they were be able to, to serve the people. We should be in our faith. is where we're at, or we're stunting our growth. There's a problem with our growth. For the purpose of service. That's the believer's job. The ministry of the church comes from the people of the church. That's what we say here in the scriptures. The work, the labor of love, the deeds come from the saints. In fact, the word ministry in the Greek is the word diakonos. We get the word deacon or waiter, right? It's a, it's a hospitality ministry. We're here to, to serve the people. It's the ministry of relief and aid and uh, assistance. It's a, and guys, we're always on mission with these things. No matter where we're at, we're always on mission with that. God has placed us in places that we are always beyond missions, whether it's in our job or in our school or in our neighborhood, wherever we're at, we're in that missional perspective, having this missional mindset. We're always on mission to serve the Lord. For what? For the, for the building up of the church, for the encouragement of the body, to encourage you up. In fact, this is a spiritual body and we're to grow the body and the body works together, flexing spiritual muscles when we serve. In fact, the word edify is an architectural term, means to, to build a house. We're, by serving, are building the house of God. We're building it, we're, in, we're structuring it up and we're laying the foundations and we're building up the walls and the roof and all the things that need to be done. We're building a house. We're building people's lives. We're bringing infrastructure into the lives of, of people so that the house could be sustainable. 
this house could be sustainable. For without you guys, we could not do the work of ministries. Without the body coming together, we couldn't do the hope drive. Without the body coming together, we couldn't do the children's ministries or the worship ministries. Or you know, I think of Franklin leading the worship. But without the worship team, it's just Franklin. It's just a concert. It's not a worship time. <laughs> we need each other in order of the part of body to build the house of God. Guys, I'm telling you and challenging you today because in this way, guys, when players are on the football team, what do they do? You have those that are in the field and you have those that are sitting on the bench, but those on the bench want to play. We're not here to learn the plays and just sit on the bench. We're not bench warmers. We're here to exercise the things that God's put in our hearts and the plays that God. That's why when they go to huddle and they get the plan and then they break and they go out and run the play. Guys, we're in the huddle right now and after this, we're going to break and run the plays. Because if we don't run together, the offense is going to break down. You're going to get penalized, right? If you're not on the same page, you're going to get penalized. And we've got to be careful we don't get penalized. And the equipping is an ongoing process of maturity. We see that in verse 13. It says, till, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure of the statues of the fullness of Christ. Till we come. That means it's an ongoing process. There's, it, there's like, okay, I got it. You know, I'm, you may have got a discipleship paper that says I finished my discipleship and you've done our five-week discipleship. Your discipleship doesn't start after, stop after five weeks. Come on now. Just because you, you get a, I know Pastor Nate and, and all the pastors got all these degrees. You know, just because you got a master's and a PhD doesn't mean your education stops. It doesn't stop there. It's always growing until what? Until he comes, we're always learning. Until he comes, we're always growing. Until he comes, he's always perfecting us. Until he comes. The work is done when we're with him. So he's doing the work here of Hard Knocks University, Hard Knocks, and schoolings. He's working our life and perfecting it. That's part of the growing that we are doing until he comes. We're sanctified, but we still got some maturity to do. And the gospel unifies that. We see that in verse 13, the first part, that we would be one. It wasn't that Jesus' prayer in John 17. I do not pray for you these alone, but for also those who believe in me through their words that they may be one just as we are one. Right? Unification comes when Jesus is the common denominator that we're Christ unified. And when we come to the knowledge of Jesus, we come to some revelation about who Jesus is unifies us. It makes us one. And because it unifies, that brings about spiritual maturity, right? It talks about perfect, perfect, everyone perfect in Christ. Understanding our identity in Christ, that we're made perfect in Christ. The word perfect means to come of age or to grow up. That, guys, we would be seasoned believers, that we would have stability. I'll tell you what, this, this 2020 and 21 is going to test your stability in your walk, in your foundation. It's going to test what you believe about Jesus. It's going to test your faith. You're going through the fire as a church right now. It's called the refiner's fire, right? And he's refining the church. He's, he's testing the church. And all those that ain't grounded, and they're going to get burned up in the test. In fact, what does it say in John 15 that there's the vine and the branch, but he often prunes back, right? He prunes back the trees that it may grow. Maybe this testing is God's pruning, pruning for the church to get it stronger, because that's exactly what he did with Gideon. When he, Gideon he said, I want to send out 300 men. He had over 25,000 men, but God pruned it back to 300. Maybe God needs to prune back the church a little bit that it may prosper as we move forward. That's part of the refining fire. That's part of the development of us. That's part of the growth in us. That's part of us coming to the fullness of Christ that we experience his presence and his power and the riches and his love. Hebrews 5.14 says this, but solid food belongs to those who are full of age or grown up. That is those who reason, those who by reason of us have their senses exercised and discern both good and evil. The mature one, the, the one who's grown under the leadership, guess what? They're maturing that they'd be able to say, man, that's right and that's wrong. That's right and that's wrong. We live, in the, we live in a world of relativism. Oh, if it's right for you and right for you, it must be right. You know, No, there's, there's absolutes in scriptures. There's, there's black and white in scriptures. There's truth and there's lies in scripture. And so we have to hold on to the truths of scripture if we want to walk this way. So we, number one, God gives us leaders to equip us. Number two, his word equips us. So he has people, the physical, we have his word, the supernatural equips us here, Right? We see it in 2 Corinthians 3. You want to turn your Bible? 2 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. We see here, right? 
Now, I have an iPhone, right? And, and mostly I use my iPhone to, to take and receive calls and every once in a while to, to do texts, right? And one day, but when you buy your iPhone, you, it comes in a box and in this box it has a manual and, you, and I pulled it out and I just, oh, I'm going to thumb through it. I remember I was sitting for, for a minute, a few minutes, I opened it up and I started reading through it. I was like, dang, my iPhone could do more than just take calls and texts. It has a high It's a little computer. It has a high capacity. I can get on Facebook. I could, I could, uh, uh, you know, I could FaceTime. I could, I could send emails. I could scan. I have all these apps. I could do. Man, it's more than just a phone. And I go, you know, oftentimes, guys, we come to God's word and we just think, oh, it's just a Bible. It's just, it's just here. But we fail to take time to read it. We fail to sit down and understand and say, wow, what's the full capacity of God's word? It does just more than just me coming on Sunday. If I sit down, really, it begins to equip me. It gets me ready to discover who Christ is and, and what I have available in Christ. If you guys could just sit down and maybe read through that, you might realize, man, I got an armor to fight with. I got some swords. I got some equipment. I got some authority. I got some power. I got a future. I got a promise situation. I got a lot of things I don't even not aware of. We know this is a love letter. It's a, 60 it's a library. It's a love letters. 60 books written by over 40 authors that cover historical and narrative and poetic and prophetic. But it's really writing about how we, how, how we are to have an authentic relationship with God. A love relationship with God and with one another. So we have to open it up to see this full capacity. We have to get it in us to see its full capacity. So number one, the scriptures equips us. Look at verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Number one, we have to understand the reason why it's important is, is that the scripture is inspired. It's God breathed. It's alive. It's, it's not dead paper. It's not, it's not a dead information. It's a living information. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, pushing even the divisions of souls and the spirits and joints and marrows and is the center of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12. It knows exactly what's going on. God knows exactly what he needs to do. How come you could read the scriptures over and over again, you never get over it, and when you read it one day speaking this way, and a year later you can see read the same scripture speaking something different because God knows exactly where you're at. And he knows exactly what you need. And he knows exactly how he needs to speak to you. I can speak on this text here this year and speak it on next year, it's going to see something different to you based on where you are so God can speak to the needs of your heart. That's why we need to always be reading it because it's profitable. It's advantageous. It's for our benefit. It's, it's for our advantage. It's good for us. It helps us get ahead. That's why it says it's profitable. But it's profitable in four ways. And it listed out here in four ways, right? It's profitable in doctrine, it says. It's profitable in doctrine. Doct all the word doctrine means is teachings, right? We have to know the teachings are the foundations of the faith, the basic truths of the faith. Why do people fall away from the faith? Because they don't know the truths of the faith. They're not anchored in the truths of the faith. And so they're easily tossed by every wind and doctrine that comes their way. We read about that in Ephesians later in the chapter. Tossed back and forth by every doctrine that comes his way because they're not grounded in the word of God. What does, what does the Bible do? What does the word do? It, it, it tells us what is true about God and man and the world we live in and the world to come. It gives revelation to those things about our relationship with God and, and where we come from and where we're going and how we got it wrong and how we got to get it right. In fact, the, Christian, the scriptures commands that we should study to show ourselves to prove. We are to, to break it open. In fact, 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul says this, this, for this reason also I suffer these things. Paul speaking here. Why was Paul able to endure suffering? Because he knew God and knew he knew his word and he had a promise. For this reason, I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. He was confident. He was boastful about who Jesus and the gospel was. For I know, here it is, I know whom I have believed. I know who I put my trust in. I am pers persuaded, convinced that he is able, who God is able, Christ is able to, to keep me, to keep what I have committed to him until that day, until his come. Paul was confident because he knew the word. He knew God was. He, his, his foundation was solid. So when the, when the storms came and he was being persecuted and thrown in prison and beaten and shipwrecked and hungry and thirsty and all that he went through, he still rejoiced because he knew the one he was serving by the words of God and the instruction of God. 
Guys, you want strength in this crazy, stormy season that we're going through? It's only by God's word that's going to ground you and lead you. It's only God's word that's going to lay the foundations to help you endure the rocky storms. It's only God's word that's going to be the anchor so you don't get tossed back and forth. It's only God's word that's going to be that very thing. But it's also used for reproof. It's doctrine for reproof, for rebuke, that God, even his word, will give us stern warnings. It, it reveals what we've done wrong. It's revealing, hey, yellow light. You know when you're driving and you come to, to the light and you see it turn yellow? What does that mean? It means warning. I know some of you it means go faster, but no, it means warning. Right? It means warning. Caution. Be careful. That's the Holy Spirit, I believe, speaking to you. Right, his word. And when you're reading his word and you're thinking about something you shouldn't be thinking about, going where you shouldn't be going, and God speaks to you, guess what? Warning, flash, flash, flash. It's gonna give rebuke to you, right? It brings us conviction, or we come under conviction for wrong. And God, what does God do? The Bible said in his prayer was to sanctify them with it. The word for the word is true. It begins to, it begins to expose our own mess. It's okay, guys. Don't do that. That's what's good. That's what good. Parents, you're kind of like that with your kids. You see kids going down the wrong, hey, don't go there. Think about what you're doing. Right, parents, you know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't step there. Right? God's word is the same way. It's, it's the way God parents us as his children. It's the way God instructs us as his children. So there's reproof, there's correction, right? Correction is the process of correcting that which is wrong, changing that which is wrong, rectifying and, and straightening things out. He takes that which is crooked, he makes it straight, the scripture says. And we, we see that here. It's our detour, it's our, it's our repentance in the process. It turns us around and it, it changes the way we think in, in our mind. It's, it's, it's the work of reconciliation for the wrong and it's keeping us on track. That's what God's word does. Man, I can't go that way. Man, I feel under conviction. I need to go this way. That's what God's word does because it's an instruction in righteousness. It's a guiding us, right? It gives us directions on the right way to go and the right way to live, teaching us what is right and how to live righteously in holiness. He says, for be holy for I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. How do we live righteously? How do we live in integrity? God's word gives instruction because God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He gives instructions on how I, I am to be able to do that. But not only is he using this to, to develop us and equip us, the scripture says it completes us. Look at 17. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The man of God may be complete. Complete. He's, he's grown up. He's matured. When uh, my, uh, my daughter just left for um, New York yesterday, she'd go back to college and my youngest and my oldest is here with me this morning. And in, our, in her back bedroom, we, did, we painted it, but we didn't paint this one, was my daughter who, on the wall, marked as she grew. And we had these markings. This is, I'm five, seven, ten, And she marked her height. And we still have the markings on the wall on our closet door. They're to remind us that though there's a physical maturity that we watch happen, there's also a spiritual maturity that we have to watch happen. That there's markers along the way that we see the markings of our growth. And there's markings that we see here. And one of it is to be complete, is, is, is to be mature, is part of those markings. So the mark of two, there are two markings. Number one, that people got to complete. Complete means to be trans, it can be perfectly or fully matured or full of age. That they, they know how to handle situations when they come. They're not easily distracted and easily angered or easily flustered. That they, could, they, they have a spirit of, of self-control. Their mature believers have the basic understanding of the scriptures and how to live in light of those scriptures. That when we live our, our life every day, we're living in light of the truth of the scriptures, not in light of what we think needs to be done. Because there's a way that seems right to man, but therefore leads to death. God's way is his way to instruct us on in how, how we're to live. And a mature one says, hey, if I have out with my brother, it says leave the communion table and go make it right with my brother. That's hard to reconcile with somebody who's done wrong to you. It says, forgive one another even as I've forgiven you because if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. Those are hard things to listen to, but those are instructed things that we need to do. We're not a perfect body. We're, we're not. We're gonna make mistakes and we're gonna have our issues and we're gonna have our bruises along the way, but doesn't mean we give up on the body. God says, be committed to one another and love one another. 
And we are, we are equipped for service, means God has made us complete, but he's also equipped us, meaning that he's fully furnished us. Sometimes you can rent an apartment that are fully furnished. God says, when you come to faith, by his spirit, I firmly, fir firmly finished you. I, I gave you everything you need for godliness. I've fully equipped you. I fully furnished you. I give you everything you need to serve me because you're created for my purpose. We're saved in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but he's created us for good works in verse 10. It's not the cart before the horse. We get saved and then we serve. We don't try to serve to get saved. <laughs> it's, be careful we don't put the cart before the horse because faith without works is dead. But faith precedes the works. We've got to come to faith in order the works to come. So my prayer is this for you. I, I read out of Hebrews 13, 20 to 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, work it in you what is well-pleasing in the sight through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. But lastly, we have people that equip us, leaders that equip us. We have the word that equip us. But his purpose for equipping is to equip others. First Timothy 4, 12 and 13, if you want to jump over there. Everybody's being trained by something. In righteousness or unrighteousness. We're being influenced by what we read, what we see, what we hear. Uh, we as believers need to be able to ma be mature enough to discern what is truth. And God's word is the filter by which we strain the truth. May you feel familiar with, with, with Plato. Plato was a, a philosopher. and he, he, really, he separated the physical from the spiritual. He separated the secular from the sacred, which is still in place today in our culture. He gave us the, the philosophy of Platonic thoughts. And he had a great influence on a man named Aristotle. And Aristotle studied Plato's philosophy. And he developed a school called the Academies where Plato's philosophy would be taught to young minds. And then this was known as Aristotelian logic. And these students would later be doctors and lawyers and the likes that would influence our culture, the, the Greek culture. But when Rome came over, when Rome came in and, 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 and took over Greek and Greece, though they were mighty in power, it was still being infiltrated by the philosophies of Plato and Aristotle's. It, it was being Greekanized. We know that as the Hellenistic, Hellenization of Rome. But just like Aristotle's influence by Plato, Christ came during that same time to teach, to, to influence the culture. Christ is saying, I'm looking for a generation of followers who are saturated with my thinking, my worldview, my orientation, teaching my thoughts. So when all the followers can influence the culture. Teachers and lawyers, businessmen, contractors, essential workers, etc., can impact the world for Christ. What was the words that described disciples? Though they were uneducated men, they said one thing. These men have been with Jesus, <laughs> right? You, the, the, the aspect of discipling others that, that we have to learn. And remember, Paul was writing to young Timothy when we look at the Timothy letters. Paul was taught by Christ. Christ taught Paul. Paul taught Timothy. Timothy taught others. It was a passing on a baton. It was, it was getting out. But how do we do that? We do it in, in two ways on how we pass on what we've learned, what we've been taught. Because it's part of being a disciple. We're to be multipliers as a church. We're to multiply ourselves as a church. We're to give away what we need to do. I, I'm, really, I'm really trying to get myself out of a job is what I'm doing when I'm training and equipping you. I'm working myself out of a job. Number one, living out what we learned. If we really want to pass on, people are watching us. They're watching us, right? Modeling this learned life is always a way of passing the truth. We're modeling it so that people can see. Because what do people say? Sometimes we might be the only Bible people read. We might be the only testament they read. We, we might be the only scriptures they see by living it out. Because what did Jesus, the word, the word became what? Flesh. So God came in the flesh to be living it out because if people didn't read it, they're going to see it. Right? We are living out. We are the arms and the feet and the hands of the people of Jesus. The church is the body of Christ being lived out. That's what we need to see at first. So he says, writing to young Timothy, he says this. Let no one despise your youth, but an example to the believer in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. He gives a whole bunch of stuff there. How to live this out, right? Reminds me of a man who was driving and he's coming to a light 
And he sees the light turn yellow, so he comes and stops at the light. I have a lot of light illustrations today, driving illustrations today, I noticed. But he didn't realize that there was a gal behind him who was tailgating him. And she was hoping that he would go through the light, and in going through the light, she would get through. But when he hit the brakes, she, and boom, and she got mad and was yelling, little road rage, getting all upset at the light. And then what happened was that she was mad and screaming in her car at this guy in front of him. There was a knock on her window, which she didn't realize that there was an officer right there. And she came up and she, the woman, he took uh, the woman and said to me, oh, run on your window, I need to talk to you, get out of your car. And then the officer took her to jail. And then she was there for a couple hours. And then after a couple hours, they released her. And then there was an officer and he came to her and he began to apologize to her because he had got it wrong. And, he, and he, this is what the officer said. He said, I'm very sorry for, for this mistake. You see, I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn and flipping off the guy in front of you and cursing the, the blue streak out of him. And I noticed the, what would Jesus do bumper stickers? The choose life license plate. The follow me to Sunday school bumper stickers. The chrome plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk. So naturally I assumed that you had stolen the car. <laughs> that was the reasoning by which he arrested her right? Our testimony is important as God's written testimony, okay? They go hand in hand, right? Paul is about discipleship, and he's pouring into this young Timothy, this young pastor. He's encouraging him in his walk at this time in the letter. He's saying, Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you. Young people, don't let anybody look down on you, youth. Don't let anybody look down on you. They believe Paul was probably around, I mean, uh, uh, Timothy was probably around 30 years of age at this time. And we know if you read the epistles to him, he had issues, stress issues, depression issues, anxiety issues. He was trembled and he was afraid. That's why he says, you know, we don't have a spirit of timidity, Tim. Tim. I can imagine Paul being his disciple saying, I would call him, he called him a son of the faith, but I could imagine, Timmy, come here. You don't need to be timid, Timmy. Okay, listen, listen, listen. You have this spirit that's inside of you. Don't let everybody look down on you. Okay? See, our example in faith is key to discipleship. That's why Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Our example was important for all the world to see. Our example of unity is important in a world that's disunified right now. The church needs to be representing every tribe and tongue and nation. The world's so terrorized and so he, he lists three, six areas that need to be examples. He said the word, what you say, how you use your tongue, right? The Bible says we'll be accountable by every word we speak. Every word we speak, we'll be accountable. Be careful. Our tongue could build up or it could tear down. Our tongue could give life or it could take away life just by the words, right? Parents, be careful how you share with your kids and what you say to your kids because that can have a great impact on how they see the world, you're about pouring vision into them with, with your words, not take vision out of them. You're part about building up not only your family, your house, but the house of God with your words. That's why there's power in the word. It's by the word that God spoke things into being in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 2, it's laid the foundation and the formation of the world by the word. Our word is a powerful thing. By our conduct, what you do and, and how you live, you're called to be holy for God is holy. 1 Peter 1.15 there's a holiness to our life. There's a sanctification. There's a consecration. There's a walk before God that's, that's holy and, and honorable and righteousness. Love. We talked a little bit about that last week, but self-sacrifice, right? A living sacrifice. We're called us to be a, a living sacrifice, a charity that we're called to lay down our lives for our friends. John 15, 13. That's love. Looking out for the interests of others. He talked about in spirit that the operation of the Holy Spirit would be working in us. That's the power. God's given us the power of his spirit to live all these things out. We can't do it on our own. God's equipped us for this. Faith. Faith is not belief, but being faithful. Being faithful and committed. That is the, the, the disciple is to be found faithful, the scripture says. Faithful, when we say we're going to do something, we're going to follow through with what we do. A lot of people can start off good, but not be good finishers. We're called to be faithful people, faithful men and women. And obviously, Purity. That's consecration, sexual purity, holiness, being an example to those around us. But verse 13 says this. 
We have to begin to share what we learn. Not only do we model it, we have to share it. Till I come, there it is again, till I come. Remember he said that's a period of time. Till I come, this is what you're committed to. Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. We have a continual diet of reading, exhorting, and teachings. That's what we should be partaking in, right? Pay attention, he says. Don't, don't get sacked, right? Refocus here. Give attention to all this until I come, because these are the things that really matter to apply yourself, to give yourself over. There's a longevity to this, right? Don't tap out on me now. Don't tap out in this race. Okay, you're in a fight. You're supposed to be in the game. Some of my pastors have been in this game a long time. Pastor Brent's been in this game a long time. Pastor Nate, Pastor Sean, Pastor Pope. Some of these pastors have been with me a long time. They've been in the game. They haven't tapped. I've seen a lot of pastors come and go over the years. I, I was just thinking about, I got saved in 1982. 2022, I'll be in the Lord 40 years Amen. since I was 17 years old. And I've seen a lot of pastors tap out because what? They haven't prepared. They haven't guarded their heart. They haven't taken a nurture. We have to be careful. They were having community, but we're also what? We're also being committed to the reading in the scriptures and reading and growing in the word. Right? He's, he's saying here, what? Reading. Reading. Guys, not only just reading this, but I want to encourage you to read books. You know what's, you know what's the issue in our urban communities is we don't read. Let me ask you, when was the last time you read a book? Outside the Bible, just a book to read, a book on theology, a book on soul care, a, 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 a book on leadership, a book on something. We need it. Leaders are readers. We need to read, right, Sister Mar? You went to college, you got working on master degrees. Listen, we, 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 we got to learn in order to be the things that God is growing. Now, I'm not saying you substitute it, you're changing. You still got to read this. Don't get me wrong. He's saying read this. But also, guys, sit down. We have learning communities in our church. Some of you have been to the learning communities with me where I, I challenge you to read books. Theology books, some of them were this thick. Some of you struggled with that. You couldn't get it done in a month because we have to exercise this spiritual muscle here. Not only in the word, but exercise. We're all building this, but let's build this, right? Because guess what? When you put that in your mind, in your heart, it's gonna affect how you speak and the way you speak and how you see things. It gets some education. Okay, it gets education, okay? Now, I, I'm not saying that that's the cure-all, but I'm saying that's important that you read biographies of men and women of faith, that you read, read books that help you grow in the faith. You're involved in the studies and the reading and the teaching. You know what troubles my heart? I'm going to be honest with you. Guys, you start off good, men and women, you start off good at the Bible studies, but at the end of the Bible studies, half of you tap out. Come on now, church. Don't tap out on the studies, man. When it gets tough, you got to endure. You got to dig in a little deeper. Right? Just because you exercise don't mean you're not going to get sore. We all want to be comfortable. We all want to be convenient. You know what? No, we got to dig in a little bit and get stronger if we want to build that spiritual muscle because enduring will help you endure out here. So finish what you start. I don't want to make the study shorter. They should be longer in the word. That's my two cents for what it's worth. But exhortation. Exhortation, right? The dialogue of Scripture. The persuasive discourse. I love it when brothers and sisters get together to talk about Jesus. Talk about the Word. Iron sharpened iron. You know, and that's okay if there's a little sparks. That's okay if there's a little noise. That's okay if because you're digging, you're processing, you're learning, you're breaking down the Word. But what about this? And what about this? I love it when I get it in my wife and I, well, what about this? And I, well, what about this? We sling, we sling words together. Boom. You know what I mean? And we get a little fireworks going. And stuff, because my wife knows the word. And she'll challenge me. Okay, you're saying that. Well, what about this? I don't know. Go talk to somebody else. Is it? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> the, the reality, it's important to have this dialogue of the scriptures so that we can grow together. The problem with our culture today is they're all about debating and not about dialogue. It's just about what I think. I don't care what you think. It's just about what I think. How many people came to know Jesus over a meal, over a dialogue, sitting down breaking bread? And opening up the scriptures. That's, that's how Jesus ministered to people. There was dialogue and admonition and encouragement and the proclamation of the word. And lastly, doctor, we talked a little bit, right? Knowing the teachings of the faith. The church is weak in the fact that it doesn't know what the Bible teaches. Right? It teaches about sin. It teaches about salvation and propitiation and sanctification and glorification. I know those are big words. But if you've been in the church a while, you might know those words. But if you haven't been in the church a while, you might not know those words. They're theological words, but we need to be familiar with them. 
Discipleship is development, right? It's development, and there's four. And I close you with this verse in 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things that you, Paul's writing to young Timothy, and the things that you, Timothy, that's one, have heard of me, Paul, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, three, who will be able to teach others, four. What do you see there? Four generations of being discipled. Paul was taught by God. Paul passed it on to Timothy. Timothy passed it on to others. Who are, what are, you, who are you passing what you've learned on to? Who have you invested in? There's a Paul and a Timothy in your life. You're called to share what you've learned. You're called to give out the word of God. It's not, this, this word is to be given out. It's, that's, that's, that's the farmer sowing the seed. That's the, that's the bread going out to 5,000. The word of God going out, and it's coming out by the mouths of the people. That's what we're called to do. That's discipleship. That's multiplication. Why, are we, why do we want to start these churches we have at these different sites? Because we want to multiply. We want the word to go out. Why do we have 40 churches in Ethiopia under Pastor Marcus and us doing the work? We want it to go out. Why are we still open? Because we want the word to go out. So I close with this, and we're going to have communion. Number one, equipping. We were focused on equipping us. Number one. His leaders equip us. Who are the people around you that are equipping you? Who is that community that's equipping you? Who, who are the people you're learning under? You know what? I've been in this a long time, but I still have leaders that I sit under and I go to. I say, hey, man, what do you think about this? They're equipping me. Men that are smarter than me, I sit under to learn and grow under. Number two, his word equips us. Sitting under the word and abiding in the word of God. Learning and reading instruction, reading books and doing that so you could equip in your own house, in your own place. And lastly, if you're being equipped by leaders and you're being equipped by the word, then you're not to hold that word. You're to give it away, right? His purpose for equipping is to equip others, that you have some things that you need to pass on to others. You need to share with others. That's why Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I command, and I will be with you until the end of the age. That was this great commission that Jesus gave to us, teaching them the things Oh God, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and blessings. And Lord, we thank you for the teaching and the reading of your word this morning. We ask that we would be a church that equips people and equipping them that they may equip others. So I pray for our body, our family here this, this, this morning, Lord, that you, Father, would move them from the huddle to run the play to pass on what you've given them onto others. God, we're not God's frozen people. We're God's chosen people, chosen to proclaim your gospel to those that want to hear it, to those who want to receive it, even to those that don't want to hear it, but that we have boldness to proclaim it. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.